Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. Self image. Self image is a hard, hard gig sometimes. We rely on so many different things. I know in psychology, they will emphasize that your relationship to your parents in your formative years has a lot to do with that. I don't necessarily, of course, I don't disagree with that. Um, There are many things, many factors that comes into our own self-image. A lot of times people, especially if they have a, a, uh, a faith background, their family has a religious background, they will pull from the image of God they're being given. Unfortunately, that image of God, a lot of times, is pretty horrific. Uh, One image that comes to mind is the Divine Policeman. Now, I want to commend a book to you. Uh, It's a small one. It's a short one. It's by J.B. Phillips. called Your God is Too Small. Now, this book, J.B. Phillips actually translated an entire New Testament translation called the Phillips Translation. Whoa. Who knew? Huh? But anyway, J.V. Phillips was a, a brilliant person, a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. In fact, he and C.S. Lewis were very good friends. But uh, in the book, he has dis- a section on destructive images of God. One of these is the Divine Policeman, where basically people get the idea, and unfortunately a lot of times we get this idea from our parents... That God is just waiting for you to mess up. I mean, just waiting. Just, just, just gets us jollies out of just absolutely, just lambasting you, just, just blowing your, blowing you away, just because you messed up. And that He's just waiting on that. And of course, that's completely unrealistic. Um, unfortunately. A lot of people tend to lean on fear. Even evangelists lean on fear heavily to get people to convert. And, uh, yeah, you can convert out of fear, but that's really, according to the Word, not entirely what God's looking for. So, in the Bible, especially when it pertains to God, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, it says in Proverbs. That fear is more of an awe, more of a wondrous kind of thing. Like when you see uh, images of Jupiter and Neptune through the Voyager telescope, you know, the Voyager when it went out and sends back all these, you just look at it and you're just, wow, that's awesome, that's amazing. That kind of awesome kind of respect. Like if you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon 
and you see it in, in the Grand Canyon in the U.S. I mean, it's huge. Or maybe even Victoria Falls in Africa. It's just this huge expanse, and you realize that if you fell in it, you're gone. That kind of thing. So it's a, it's a healthy respect. Unfortunately, people uh, get this image of God being the divine killjoy. That he's just looking to ruin your fun. And that's utterly wrong. That's utterly not, not what's going on. So, what do we do? What do we do? A lot of times... People turn to different things when your self-image is out of whack. Um, Or, let me just say this, because that sounds like a diagnosis, and I'm not going to diagnose anybody. Uh, Let me say this instead. If your self-image isn't positive, all right, People turn to things because they feel bad and they want to feel better or at least different. And that's where a lot of things like drugs and food and alcohol and all of this other stuff and sex and everything else, people try to shove those things in that hole and it doesn't work. Now, what would be really great is if we were able to find a church and they're out there that is very supportive and nurturing in that they see where you where you are but not enabling because let's be honest if you're drinking poison on a regular basis that's not healthy. It'll kill you. And for someone to say, oh, that's fine, is not right. Um, so, it has to, you know, that's why the church is described as a family. And that's, to be honest, why God is described by himself as a father. Now, a lot of people get really down on that image. The fact is, God doesn't have a gender. He doesn't. I mean, I say he doesn't. <laughs> Listen to that. Now, in Scripture, sometimes God is described as having female qualities, sometimes male qualities. Now, I'm not trying to muddy the water here. He describes himself as a father. Now, the reason he does that is because of the image and that time was very nurturing. In Jewish culture, the father was a very nurturing image. I mean, if you look at the uh, prodigal son uh, scenario in the New Testament, you know, very nurturing. Now, here's the thing. Um, Very authoritative in that he made decisions, and those decisions stuck. In fact, God does. He makes decisions, and they stick. And there's nothing you can do to reverse them. Now, what do we do? 
Well, if you don't already have a personal promise book of some kind, I'm going to super encourage you to get one. All right? The reason behind that is because it has a collection of many scriptures that are very positive. Now, you can take a scripture and take it out of context and make it really positive. You can do that. But I think that there are plenty out there that use the verses in context to show how God feels. For example, uh, this particular verse, James 1 5, this is in uh, the Living Bible, okay, which is a paraphrase, alright. But it says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him, and He will gladly tell you. For He is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask Him. Now, is God going to hit you with a brick to get you to listen maybe he's used a few on me but I'll be honest hopefully you listen more readily than I I found those bricks very painful and um, God wants you to listen and sometimes uh, Sometimes getting your attention can be challenging sometimes, you know, depending on who you are. Now, here's, here's another verse. This is Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three, and it's in today's English version. It says, The Lord guides a man or woman in a way he should go and protects those who please him. And the reason I threw that or woman is it, man is not just for men. It's men and women. Because God, God will guide anyone in a way they should go and protect those who please Him. Now, if we pull our self-identity, and this is how it usually works in, in many ways, from our occupation, that can be a problem. Not completely, but let me explain. It's interesting that if you ask someone, so what do you do? Or tell me about yourself. Oh, well, I'm a doctor, lawyer, firefighter, um, fast food worker, garbage collector, carpenter, whatever. I mean, just go on, you know, coder, biller, whatever. We describe who we are based on our occupation, based on how we make our living. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But really, who we are has a lot to do with God and a relationship to Him. Because God says you are worth something. Or he wouldn't have sent Jesus. God believes in us. He believes in you. That's why he came. That's why he continues to help. 
Now, there is a thing called, in the psychology books, called the Jahari Window. J-O-H-A-R-I, Jahari Window. Now, this is kind of an analysis of how to look at yourself and other and others, alright? So think of a window pane with four squares in this window, okay? The square on the upper left is open. That's what people see. That's what you know and it's what you know about yourself and others know about you. It's pretty open. Number two, the upper right, is a blind spot. It's stuff that you don't know about yourself, but other people know about you because they're around you and they see you. Okay? Then the lower left, you have the hidden self, and that's stuff that you know about yourself, but others don't know about you. Stuff you hide, you keep secret. Then there's number four, or excuse me, the lower right, and that's the unknown. The unknown is things that are not known to you or to other people. And here's the thing. That window is is where God's primary living space is. God occupies every one of those windows. But more than anything, He is the unknown. He knows about you and everyone else. And the more you know him, the more you know the unknown. The more you know the unknown, the more you know about yourself. God can show you what other people, well, in fact, other people can tell you some things about yourself if you're willing to listen. A lot of times people don't take criticism very well. In fact, they get really hostile. And criticism can be very painful, but constructive, if you can deal with it. Sometimes people tell you garbage that doesn't mean a thing because they're being stupid and trying to hurt your feelings. Other times, they're telling you stuff, and they may be telling you in a mean way, but it may be true. So, learning about yourself from other people, letting people tell you about your blind spots, that's gutsy, Okay? But you, 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 you can't, you have to have thick skin to do that. You really do. Because you, you can't just internalize it. You have to look at it, analyze it. But a lot of times people tell you stuff, you know, and maybe a lot of truth, maybe not so much. But it hurts. So, now the hidden stuff, that's stuff you hide about yourself. And God knows it. He knows that stuff. Some of it's great. Some of it's not so great. 
there's a lot of good things people hide about themselves. It's not necessarily, you know, a bad thing to hide something about yourself. Um, but, uh, you know, because that's called privacy, right? And we, we're supposed to have rights to privacy. Well, here's the thing. Uh, God knows that stuff. Now, what we want, though, is work with God in that unknown window and let Him work with you on your blind spot. Because, again, going back to James 1.5, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him, and He'll gladly tell you. For he's always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. All. It's pretty inclusive, right? Sounds like anybody. There's no qualifiers. Well, you got to be smart. No, doesn't say that. Well, you got to be pretty. No, doesn't say that. Well, you got to be you know, rich. Well, no, doesn't say that. Doesn't say that at all. It says all. It has to do with desire. So, let God help you with your self-image. The things that bug you. And if you want to change your self-image to the positive, sometimes you have to start with where you're at. And what you can change. And God can help walk you through that. But more than that, if you get your self-image through Him, people can't take that from you. They can't mess that up because it belongs to God and they can't touch it. But if you get your self-image from everything else, how much you, you know, what you own, what your body's like, uh, what your... Um, you know, your friends are, your girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. If you pull your self-image in from that, all that stuff is tied to the world and can vanish. But you know what can't vanish? God. Jesus will walk with you every step of the way. And if you depend on him, He'll help you get where you, where both of you want to be. And you may find something that God will show you some wonderful things about yourself if you'll let him. But again, you've got to be willing to work with him in that box that says unknown. And you have to be able to work with him on the blind stuff too. So, if you're looking for that self-image moment, let me encourage you, always encourage you. So, keep on keeping on, don't give up. And, keep on speaking it on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. 
as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.